0: My top pick is the Zen Blend. It's a lifesaver for those of us who are caffeine sensitive and not to mention comes in the most charming packaging. So why not elevate your coffee experience with London Nootropics? Discover the perfect blend, find your flow and enjoy an exclusive 20% discount with the code Saturn Returns at LondonNewtropics.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. Pausing this for a moment because I've got something exciting to share. Today's episode is brought to you by London Nootropics, the masters of crafting adaptogenic coffee blends that don't just taste heavenly, but they also boost your energy the right way. Now we all love that zesty kick from caffeine. It snaps us awake by outsmarting those sleepy adenosine receptors in our brain. But here's the kicker. Caffeine can hike up our cortisol, giving us the jitters or anxiety, particularly if you're like me and caffeine sensitive. But that's where the magic of adaptogens steps in. These natural heroes level out our cortisol, smoothing the energy boost from caffeine without the downsides. Plus, while caffeine tends to rush in and fade away, leaving you crashing, adaptogens extend that energy, keeping you vibrant without reaching for another cup. So if you want to find your most productive self with lion's mane and rhodiola, In their flow blend. Cordyceps in Mojo is known to increase our aerobic capacity, oxygen flow, and boost ATP. So it's perfect before a run or workout or when you're feeling fatigued. So if you're intrigued and you want to dive deeper into their blend secrets and discover which adaptogens sync with you, try visiting their website. And because you're part of the Saturn Returns family, enjoy a special 20% off at London Neutropics Adaptogenic Coffee with the code Saturn Returns. Enjoy.
1: If you create space to be in process by saying something like, I have the capacity to be good with money, that creates that possibility mm. and you can train yourself to say that. So whenever it comes into your head or you feel like you're, you're with your friends and it's all, you know, you're playing the role that you used to be, then you're like, I'm so sh- st- Stop yourself.
0: Now, you may remember in episode 10, we talked to the incredible Africa Brook, and we went pretty deep on self-sabotage, addiction, the journey to sobriety, and the role that the expectations of those around you play in shaping your behavior. Anyway, it soon became very clear that we had so much to say that it wasn't going to fit into one episode, and we needed more space to go into all these ideas in a totally different sphere the world of work and money, careers, self-worth, and self-actualization. Because of the new year, I felt like this would be the perfect time to be talking about these things. So here you have it, my episode two with Africa Brooke, who has become a dear friend of mine. I find her so inspiring and I just love these conversations we had. So I hope you enjoyed this. In terms of, like, the business aspect of things that you do, I'm curious to ask you about the energetics of money.
1: Okay, well, what exactly do you want to
0: do? Because there's, so, there's so much. I love the face that you just made. I mean, it's just something that I've been really curious to talk to someone about, and I yeah. feel like you're the perfect person to talk to about yes. it. Because, obviously, like, money and our relationship to it, again, is a very personal one, and it's you know, it hasn't been that long since women are actually allowed to work. So there's like this disconnect and there's a lot of shame, I think, around our relationship with money. I also grew up because of the person that I am and probably the family that I was in, and like, it's not really talked about. I'm just a creative kind of squiggly mess. Mm. So I don't really think in that kind of way. Mm. So it's something I'm like, if I feel like that way, I'm sure a lot of people will as well. Yeah, But then there's also the, internal belief system around like what your worth is and how that then can limit your progression in life and how you state like what your worth is financially. And that seems to be something that you really nail.
1: I love talking about money and sex and self-sabotage and just mindset in general, because these are very kind of taboo areas where no one is willing to talk about it in a very transparent way. And the most interesting thing is that these are things that we experience or interact with every single day Mm. on a conscious and subconscious level. Because when you think about it, even if you look at this room, everything around you has something to do with money. If you were able to kind of click your fingers and anything that has anything to do with money would kind of just disappear, you would be the only thing standing there naked with no clothes, nothing, the home wouldn't be there, whatever it is. So we interact with money on a subconscious level every single day. There are things that you're able to do and not able to do because of money. And if you live on planet earth in modern day society and you don't think it's important to heal your emotional relationship with money, I I mean, I do. I do you <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, gulp. <laughs> but, and The reason why money is a big part of what I do as a business coach and as a mindset coach is because in sobriety and everything kind of links to this, I realized that the shame that I had wasn't just to do with sex. It wasn't just about uh, me not being enough. It was shame in pretty much every single area of life. Mm. And with money in particular, I realized that there were beliefs about money that I had adopted, generational beliefs about money, from my caregivers, from the environment that I grew up in. You don't talk about money, money is bad, you shouldn't want money. People that want money in excess are greedy. Rich people are evil. Uh, Rich people don't care about the world. Those are beliefs. And we all have them. Without Mm. judgment, start to actually think about what your money beliefs are. But the thing is, because I had these beliefs, it was actually stopping me from living the life that I wanted to live. I've always been a creative person. I wanted to be in the music industry to begin with. And I did so many different projects growing up. And money... I had to have money conversations at some point, even with work, right? My kind of nine to five shift work, I worked in hospitality. Because of my money beliefs, I never had conversations about money. I just waited for other people to tell me what I'm worth and then it's done. And accepted it. it. Oh, yeah. I found that pattern. And I know this is the case for a lot of people much easier because that's the pattern that we know in the corporate world, or if you work for anyone else, where you apply for the position, they have already determined what you are worth in that position, so you never really have to have the conversation. Not many people negotiate. Only men are really kind of conditioned to negotiate. That's another whole other thing. Well, I mean,
0: women go in to apply for something when they're like seriously overqualified for the position and only then, whereas men will be like, I basically only have half of that, but I'll go for it I'll go for it
1: and I'll get it. Mm. And they do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I started to realise that for myself, I was just, I did not speak about money at all. I found it very uncomfortable, which meant that I settled for less in jobs and... By the time that I started working for myself, I started kind of getting recognized as a speaker, as a voice. I never asked about the money. I just did everything for free because I thought that I should be grateful. I thought that if I have the money conversation, the opportunity is going to be taken away. So you just never have the conversation. But what happens? You become resentful
0: Mm, because there's an unequal
1: energy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because there's an unequal energy exchange. So when I talk about the energetics of money and why I love money and why I think it's important to talk about it because it's not about the physical thing itself. It's not about the paper or a pile of fucking coins. Money means options. Mm. Money means access. Money means the more that I have, the more I have to give. Mm. That's what money means. Money means that I am able to create space in my life, time freedom, where I'm not just focused on working and that causes a ripple effect for so many other people within my family and in what people see as an example. So for me, I I had to completely shift my relationship with money because I realized that I was sabotaging myself based on what I had absorbed from the world, but then I'm also living in a world that says, you need money to live here.
0: How did you reprogram those belief systems around Mm, money?
1: I started reading. So before I kind of reprogrammed those beliefs on a deeper level, I was reading a lot. I read this book and I recommend it to everyone, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. I read this in about 2016, 2017, when I started kind of looking at why I had this kind of weird energy around money and even in my long-term relationship, we never spoke about money. We just we just never mm. spoke about it, ever. And I now I think that's so weird to not speak about it, but people don't. Because people get a lot of,
0: you know, it's so linked to our own personal self-worth. Yeah. So people are like, oh, that's private. I don't want to talk about that. Because it's like, well, if you earn a lot more than me, then that doesn't mean, does that mean that I'm worthless? Right. You as a person, and it yeah. all gets like a bit conflicted. Yeah,
1: and that's the first, what I would say, mistake in my eyes, that we... um associate our our self-worth with money with these tangible things but they're completely separate that's why when i hear people say things like charge your worth i get what it means i get what it means and that there, there are times in which your I say, when people say you should know how to charge your worth. let's say you're in business or you're having a money conversation and people say you should learn how to charge your worth get paid your worth I think that tends to not work for a lot of people because a lot of people are charging from a place of low self-worth. Mm. So, it so they're doesn't... like, chips? So they're like... <laughs> <laughs> and even then, that would feel like too much. Mm. Even then, that feels like too much for a lot of people. So for me, I was reading quite a lot. I started to keep mentors around me, people that I found online that were having empowering conversations about money, especially women. And by the time I started discovering that I needed to look at my money beliefs, I was reframing. What reframing is, it's when you look at the same situation or the same opinion just through a different lens. If it's something like I'm shit with money, which so many people say. we need to stop saying this Bullshit. People say things like, oh, I'm so bad with money. Even I when say it's that not true. Even when it's not true. It's so, it's almost like people say it because it's so normalized, it's almost as if it's relatable to say that even mm. when it's not true, oh, I'm so bad with money. You're creating a new money story for yourself every time you say that. Mm. Because now that you're imprinting that so much, it becomes a part of your identity. So your belief system is gonna make sure that it produces results that align with what you're saying. Cause you're like a super computer, right? It has that you're like neuro-linguistic. On... Oh, for sure. Yeah. You're feeding the same program into the computer that you are. So now I'm bad with money is your story, which means your actions are gonna make sure that they're in alignment with that. That's just mm. how the brain works.
0: In terms of what we were saying as well about like other friendships or old friendships, being like, "Oh, you're this." It kind of goes hand in hand with that. It's like if people in your family, are like, oh, are is useless with money. Oh my god! And then yes. you're just like that constant. You have to be able to not only call yourself out, but those around yes. you that are keeping you stuck in that. And, story. And
1: if someone was to say that out loud, this is again when you have an opportunity to state a boundary. Say, mm. actually, I'm not. I'm not comfortable with you saying that. Can mm. we stop saying that? Right? In whatever way you would, that's an opportunity instead of you laughing and, and then sure. being fucking resentful. <laughs> <laughs> right? A reframe for that, for example, would be I have the capacity to be good with money. Because for a lot of people, if it's I'm bad with money, saying something like I'm good with money is gonna feel like bullshit. Your conscious mind is gonna be like, one <laughs> no. <laughs> No. <laughs> Whereas if you create space to be in process by saying something like, I have the capacity to be good with money, that creates that possibility. Mm. And you can train yourself to say that. So whenever it comes into your head, or you feel like you're, you're with your friends, and it's all you know, you're playing the role that you used to be that you're like, I'm so sh- s- stop yourself. And then in your mind, you you reframe and use that, same that new story. I have the capacity to be good with money. So for me, reframing is something I do all the time.
0: And that's what reframing is, is creating that yes. space.
1: Yes. Changing the previous way of thinking.
0: And then again, probably questioning the why.
1: Yeah. Because also, this is not about denying <laughs> the reality. Because I have a thing at the moment, I need, I need to set up online banking, but I refuse
0: to do it. Why? I don't know. It's literally like, okay, go to the bank this week or like do whatever simple thing you need to do. So it just makes it easier that it's like all online and it's there. And I just won't do
1: it. Wow. My sister has the exact same thing. We were talking about this.
0: There's so much resistance. Yeah. But it's like, there must be more to it than that. And
1: sometimes the resistance is because you're more used to the version of yourself that doesn't follow through with things. Or you're more used to the version of yourself that says, oh, I'm so disorganized, I don't do stuff. Mm. So now that you're trying it's like to take leveling, I'm like, oh no. yeah! <laughs> now you're trying to take an action that doesn't align with that story, because they're all stories, mm. there's resistance. The way that shows up for me, actually I engage with this one. What I'm gonna tell you, I, I engage. I will do things. So if I kind of have an event or something that I need to do and I need to prepare kind of content for it or whatever. I'll do it very last minute. Maybe even the day before, a few oh, hours too. before. Yeah. It will always work out well. I'll always be able to do it. It'll be
0: hectic as fuck. Yeah, that. for sure. And that's
1: where that rush kind of... Because yes. I, I can fucking do it. I can yes. do it. But it's that adrenaline junkie thing. It is. But then it's also because... And I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. It's also because I'm still more connected with the identity piece that... Um, I don't give myself time. Mm. Like the the version of me, I'm not so aligned with the version of me yet that allows themselves Mm -hmm. three weeks or two weeks to do the thing. And then when we're getting to the event or whatever the thing is, all I have to do is kind of check and Mm. refine. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I get that. But I am making changes because I was exactly the same, but I'm trying now. But it is like, it's like walking through sludge. Because I'm just like, this is so hard because I'm trying to rewire... My brain then, to be the person that yeah. actually does things ahead of time.
1: And then there's also, I don't know if you resonate with this part of things. For me, it's also this idea that what if I do it three weeks ahead and I give myself the time and space I need and then I do the thing and it doesn't work out. That's going to feel worse than me having have done it so last minute and then it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Does that, that kind of make mm-hmm. sense? It's almost like... Um, yeah, it's a, bit, it's a very well, odd it's, thing. It's like if I
0: don't fully prepare for something, then I can't really be rejected by it.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah.
0: But I think we both know is that actually when you do give something your all and that doesn't work out, it doesn't matter because the victory is in doing it that way in the first place. Oh, for sure.
1: But again, that's all kind of, Left brain, analytical. We, Of course we know it. I'm trying at the moment, based on what we're speaking about right now, trying to find the balance in honoring the way that I like to do things. So maybe I don't actually need three weeks to be preparing for something. Maybe I do need a shorter space of time, but I just need to give myself a little bit longer than I'm giving myself mm-hmm. right now. Because I think that rush and pressure isn't necessarily a bad thing always. I think there's good pressure, but I think I'm working with how can I still allow myself to have that reward of that pressure? Because it's a reward. There's some kind of reward that's happening Mm. there. So how can I still do what I need to do and allow myself this space instead of doing it the night before or the same day? And
0: can you talk to us a little bit? Is it the
1: expansion program? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that is a program that I created for coaches, for people Mm. that want to be coaches, because I think, oh my goodness, we need it. I think we have people out there that don't realize what kind of skills they have. There are so many people that I meet, people that I know, people that I see online that have so much to give in terms of their skills, in terms of their life experience, in terms of their knowledge, in terms of their kind of, just the energy, the spiritual energy they evoke but they don't value any of it. They don't feel like any of it is useful. They don't feel like they can help anyone. So I created a program for people that want to become coaches or people that are already coaches, but just want to really, really find a way to put their work out into the world. Because that's what I've been able to do through my own story, my own journey, through me sharing my what I thought was my mess, that actually turned out to be the most powerful thing ever.
0: And love them Ever.
1: So my, my mission is to support people into doing the very same thing for themselves. Make
0: your messiness your strength. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but
1: that for seems sure. to be
0: a theme. And I've noticed through all the guests I've had pretty much one way or another is yeah. that they've managed to sort of alchemize their struggle into their strength. And yes. I think that's such a powerful thing.
1: Yes. Do you feel like you have done that? In 100%, some kind of way hundred percent. And actually yeah. to go
0: back to your thing when you said, what did you learn about? like, your relationship with alcohol. There were all sorts of things going on at that time, but essentially it was, like, through those struggles I've managed to find, like, what makes me strong and actually what I can contribute to the world.
1: Yes. Oh, I love that.
0: Mm. Only last thing Mm. that I want to talk to you about a little bit before we draw to a close, and thank you very much for all your time, is perfectionism. Uh, Ah. Mm-hmm. And how that can be detrimental to our self-worth. I think we're living in a time where we're all trying to project this idea and this image of perfection and we're not making room for what makes us human. Mm. And in a way, this sort of false connection that we've we've got is making us very disconnected from one another and I think it all ties in. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that and actually how perfectionism can be a form of self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. for me personally, as I, someone that's very messy and, like, scatty and that's, like, who I am...
1: Is, is it who you are? <laughs> but there's room <laughs> for me to be someone else. <laughs> but <laughs> I can mean,
0: actually have a lot of moments after this so I'm like, maybe I can't I, be I a tidy asked, person. I
1: asked that because... Anything that comes after, and this is not just sort of philosophical, uh, abstract, whimsical stuff, but it, it really is tied to the brain. Anything that comes after I am is an identity statement all right Mm. so it's like that imprint that I was talking about that we create over and over again so whether we say it with a smile or with a laugh we're still creating a story right is that
0: actually true yeah and Mm. it's
1: when we say these things most of the time it doesn't create room for options for a different Mm. way of being so when we say things like oh I'm so and I get a lot of clients that um, say these things to me as well I'm so clumsy I'm so messy oh I'm so disorganized and then I always say to them is that true who told you that Another good question is when did you decide that, Mm. right? If you were to ask yourself, when did you decide that you were messy?
0: God, this is going to be so useful. I'm going to walk <laughs> away and be like, I can be the but tiniest. It's amazing. <laughs> but
1: it's, it's amazing to just kind of explore it. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a completely different version of who you are. But it's kind of saying, how can I
0: make space for something yeah, new? How
1: can I make space for something new? Because whatever story that is, again, whatever actions you take are going to align with that story. Mm. So if your kitchen is showing the you that you're messy, it's because you've decided that you're a messy person. And this is what a messy person's kitchen looks like
0: right (laughs) because also recently i've in the last i'd say six months or year so i think my ex-boyfriend used to say that you're so clumsy and i never thought i was clumsy Mm -hmm. but
1: then suddenly i
0: was like i am am clumsy
1: we also have to be mindful of the identity statements that we project onto other people Mm. when we say to other people you are so this Mm -hmm. we have to be so careful about that because of a lot of the things that we are deciding that we are we never actually decided them
0: people told us people
1: told you and in that moment if it's coming from someone that you love someone you admire if you're in a very high emotional state when someone says something it ha- it's more likely to stay with you mm. and depending on how young you are you will internalize that as a fact because you're not able to actually process and intellectualize things mm. so when someone you love and you admire them you've probably put them on a pedestal as well different conversation tells you oh my goodness you're so clumsy did you ever know that you were so clumsy? And then you're like, oh my goodness. Oh my, oh my goodness, I am. And you start looking for evidence.
0: That you are clumsy.
1: And then what happens? That's just an identity piece. And now you walk out into the world saying, oh, I'm so clumsy.
0: Yeah, because I also remember my parents used to say, like, they were concerned by how sensitive I was growing up. Mm. So then I think that that played a huge part in my drinking because that was like a way of desensitizing Mm. myself. Because I was like, well, I'm too sensitive to, like, cope in life. So I'll just numb out.
1: yeah. But anyways, go back yes. to the, the perfect, I mean, just <laughs> we'll, we'll, you'll just have to come back for another chat. Yeah, I
0: would love to. <laughs> but to go back to the perfectionist part, because, yeah, I guess I wouldn't associate myself as a perfectionist because yes. I can be, mm. you know, messy, whatever. But actually, I realized that I use perfectionism to stop me from getting where I wanted to be. Mm. So it would always be, well, I can't have that career or i can't do that i can't achieve that because i'm not this yet but when i am i'm on my way to being this and when i am this right i'll be able to have that but of course you keep kicking the can down the road because the subconscious will be like okay you have reached this where we said you would need to be but actually we think you need to actually go here before you get it yeah so just keep going and it just becomes this like never-ending journey Of never being good enough, basically, because you're keeping those things out of reach by saying you have to be perfect to get there.
1: So perfectionism is this idea that anything less than perfect will never be enough, that it's not good enough. It's not acceptable. It is not okay. It is not okay. That is pretty much the simplest way to kind of put it. And the core belief there is I am not good enough. Mm -hmm. That's what the core belief of perfectionism is. And for people that identify as perfectionists, which I would also recommend, please don't do that. Because it really creates that cycle of having this identity piece that makes it difficult for you to be anything other than that. Mm -hmm. But the core belief is that I'm not good enough. So because I'm not good enough, nothing I do is good enough. Nothing I do will ever be good enough. Regardless of how much other people praise you, regardless of how many qualifications you have, regardless of the evidence that you have and the opportunity that you have, that running theme will always be, I am not good enough. And the way that it manifests for a lot of people just kind of on a daily basis is procrastination. It's starting things. I have
0: a PhD in
1: procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) starting things and not following through a lot of us are what we call what i call idea generators we have so many ideas we're so creative so many ideas just come up and we want to follow every single one Mm. but that means we start so many things and we never actually complete we never Mm. really follow through or we'll start something and as soon as it's not as exciting as it was in the beginning will give up so yeah that's that's another way that perfectionism shows up and it's also when you do find yourself starting to follow through or when things are going well you will feel like you need to make things more complex a, a lot of it is having you know this unrealized potential as well or this unreal that's my greatest fear really
0: yeah unfulfilled potential. Yeah,
1: that's how it can show up for a lot of people. Just knowing that you have so much to give and wanting to, but feeling like, if I do this, it's not going to be good enough and I'm going to be rejected.
0: Well, what I would do is, i get one person's opinion and if it wasn't like a complete, oh my God, Mm. this is amazing, I'd be like, I'm burying it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Gosh. And my mum would always say, she's like, how many many pie in the sky ideas you can have? And I was like... (laughs) Loads of parenting. <laughs> 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 and my thing is like really struggle to execute them but mm-hmm. I know it's from a deeper place of I think you know everything that we're talking about right now
1: yeah what if what if I get rejected mm. what if I put it out there and I get rejected and I work with very successful people public figures that also struggle with this so much they will experience so much success whether it's through recognition or financial success but they still feel like it's not good enough mm-hmm. they feel like people are lying to them it's everyone lying to me this is not this is not enough and also how it manifests perfectionism is through never being satisfied with um again oh that one really hit me i have to check this one for myself so when you hit the goals or whatever the markers you set for yourself you're never actually it's not enough you're never able to actually celebrate it you want Mm. you want more you feel like you could do better Mm. and then when you reach that It's still not enough. Mm. You see it with things like social media, when people get their first 10,000 followers and then they get 50,000. And I work with people like this and they'll get 100,000, 200,000, 250,000, 300,000. It's it's not enough.
0: Mm.
1: Now I'm comparing myself to someone that has a million. Mm. I don't have enough.
0: I call it a hedonic treadmill. You just, the more you have, the more you want and you (sighs) keep going.
1: We never define what enough actually looks like.
0: So mm. we're always
1: constantly chasing more. What what does enough money look like?
0: But this, does... this is such a key piece Gosh. to happiness because in our society we are, and through the media and you know capitalism and consumerism, mm. this culture of like more, 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 yeah, never satisfied. Yeah, we don't check in as individuals and go, okay. Rather than just absorbing that advert of like what the perfect life looks like, mm. what does it look like for me? Yeah. What does it feel like? What are my goals? Because it like yours and mine are gonna to be totally yeah. different. and that's the thing. We never actually take a moment to be like, okay, what is happiness and enough for me? But otherwise we're just chasing, chasing, chasing
1: for sure. Some of the things as well, and I think there are some practical points with this as well. Number one, I would say, do not identify as a perfectionist. There's a very shadowy part to that because that means you set very high standards for yourself, standards that you know that you won't be able to meet, but because you truly believe that what you're capable of is not good enough, so you have to go above and beyond. And then what happens when you do the thing, it will never meet that standard. And then now you're in that cycle of shame and feeling less than. So I always say, stop identifying as that. I think healthy striving is a more, I think it's a it's something that's actually supportive of you because you don't have to drop your standards. For me, I do like things to be done well. I want to do things well, but at the same time, I don't want to imprison myself with those standards. I mm. want there to be flexibility for, me to be human for people to be human as well and then in terms of performance and putting things out there and doing things I always say that um you need to not expect yourself to be at the top of your game when you're at the beginning of your game Mm. because that it's it's so ridiculous
0: that's so powerful because I think that stops so many people from starting right Mm.
1: so ridiculous so yeah that's kind of what I would say but I mean it's it's a it's a huge conversation, but it's tied to identity. It is. You have to decide that you're not going to wear that as an identity piece. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's super powerful. Gosh. We've
1: unpacked a <laughs> lot. I feel like I've learned really so are. much.
0: Thank you so much for this coming was amazing. on. Adore you. Think uh, you're amazing. Thank you. I thank you for gracing us with your pearls of wisdom.
1: Thank you. I loved this.
0: You're you're amazing. Now, I know that 2021 is already off to a challenging start. We were all under the impression that Corona, COVID would work on a calendar schedule and that by 2021, we'd be in the clear. And sadly, we are not. However, it still brings with it new opportunities, new beginnings, and is a chance to really start thinking about what you want to achieve for the year ahead. I like spending January really like getting into work, being focused, getting grounded, and setting out my goals for the year. So I suggest you do the same. We're going to have a lot of wisdom in the next episodes of Returns that will help you do this. And I hope that you took something away from this episode with Africa. She's very inspiring. And if you want to know one tip that both her and I do, is we are both whiteboard fanatics. And it's actually something that a lot of people that inspire me that are incredibly disciplined do as well, especially when days sort of can, I don't know, there's no structure at the moment. So having a whiteboard and setting out your day each day gives you that real sense of achievement. And it's all about having actionable steps and achievable goals. So good luck. I'm rooting for all of you. And thank you very much as always for listening. If you want to find more from Africa, you can find her at Africa Brook on Instagram and me at Kagi's World. Saturn Returns is a Feast Collective production. The producer is Scarlett O'Malley and the executive producer is Kate Taylor. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember, you are not alone. Goodbye.